Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. I am your host, Marco, with my co-host, Ian. And boy, did we have a little wet and wild one in Russia, didn't we? It was wet and wild and wild and wet without the wild and wild and wet and wet. Whatever that means. And really, (laughs) really excited uh, for this entire podcast. I think there was a ton of great headlines and things to talk about for the race in general. Just to, to, before we start off, just to go through our, our typical, what we're going to talk about, our segment, our sectors, we're going to start off with our good, bad, and ugly. We're going to have our race recap, some recent headlines, and then we're going to wrap up with our race predictions recap. So uh, to just get right into it, um, Ian, do you want to start with our good, bad, and ugly? I do. What a race. Good highs, lows for all different teams. Um, but my good is actually going to be Red Bull's damage limitation here. So new power unit for Max. They thought, obviously, uh, you know, this would be a good track to give him the new power unit, get that penalty out of the way. Really didn't affect him too much, and soon enough it'll be Lewis's turn. Um, so, yeah, over, overall, I think the, uh, the, the Red Bulls can be pretty happy with taking that penalty and still getting a P2. Uh, my bad is going to be Bottas really underperforming for his result in, in a couple different ways. Obviously, P5 starting from the back is not as impressive as his P3. Was it P3 or P2? Um, in Monza when he was starting from the back. Also, just not being able to hold up Max was kind of, I think, the reason, or at least one of the reasons that he was back there in the first place, starting from the uh, the back of the grid. So that was, uh, I'm sure, annoying for Mercedes. My ugly, it's probably going to be somewhat obvious, but more, you know, Lando, more specifically, just ignoring the team orders and going for it. Um, you know, I think this can be sometimes viewed as like, okay, a driver can feel he's more one with the car. He's just going to really go for it and, uh, and you know, ignore team orders, try to get it done himself. Just simply worked out in the worst possible way. Um, and yeah, I think my, my ugly is going to be Lando ignoring those team orders. So how about you? Give me your, your GBU, your good, bad, ugly. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I like all of those. My good is going to be the most heated driver championship that most people probably listening to this podcast has ever seen actually live. This week, Hamilton took the lead back from Max, now taking a slight two-point lead in the driver championship. I still feel like the edge might be kind of in Max's favor due to a few factors, but I think as F1 fans, we really need to appreciate how amazing this is. I think, I mean, the way that we've been... I uh, talked about on Drive to Survive, everything the last you know seven years has just not been the case. So being able to have that ability to just really be there and it's hopefully going to come down to the wire like we've seen this entire year is something awesome to, to have. Our bad, my bad, is Antonio Giovinazzi losing radio communications with his race engineer at the very, very beginning of the race. <laughs> so this was tough. And so the only way he was able to communicate with his crew was when he was driving past the pit for manual signals. So I don't know if this is a typical thing where, hey, if you lose radio communication, let's talk about some manual uh, some manual signals that we can go through that you would understand and to update you. doesn't seem like that probably happens too much, so I really am curious of how they got through that. I have to assume that this might be one of the most important things for a driver to have is having your racing engineer in your ear. They're able to tell you everything that's going on the track. And they're basically your all-seeing eye 
And I'm trying to think of like kind of a similar similar situation happening in other sports. I thought of like a QB losing his radio communications, but I mean he can clearly see the sidelines. He has the entire defense in front of him, so he has with his own eyes able to see everything. This, you know, all Geo knew was who was ahead of him, who was behind him, not how everyone's pitting, when he should, or any adjustments he needed to make. So I think having that and just kind of by yourself the entire race was really, really tough for him. So, uh, yeah, shout out and uh, sympathies to Antonio, who, you know, with that happening, you know, wasn't the worst race he had, honestly. I thought it could have been worse. Yeah, I think, what did he end up, 16? So he was ahead of Yuki Sonoda and Mazepin. I mean... Could, could be significantly worse, especially with not being able to communicate when the rain's coming in. So definitely agree. Right. And my ugly is going to be weather. So as we've mentioned, weather has was quite poor this entire weekend. But what has been kind of a curse in previous weeks that we've seen was very entertaining this week. This is really the reason why we used to be really excited for rain until, you know, a couple race weekends where really ruined it for us. Those final six to eight laps were so entertaining, uh, so much going on. Uh, I mean, no one really knew. If you're looking at the you know eight laps before the ending race, no one would have been able to predict the the actual final top ten. Uh, you know, while this craziness made a lot of people upset due to who it, it specifically affected, specifically Lando, it was I thought very entertaining to watch. So while the weather was eg- ugly, kind of a little spin zone, and I thought it made for a very hectic, fun race. Wonderful. Well, with that, let's move on to our race recap, kind of a whole weekend recap. But before we do that, we want to give a tip of our hat to our sponsor for this week's episode, which is Lando's Lozenges. Ever get a throat so sore you feel like there's a sea urchin in your esophagus? It could be because of an allergy, could be because of flu season, or it could be because you're screaming at your race team that's just trying to help lead you to your first race win. Whatever the reason, Lando's Lozenges are a perfect remedy for that frustrating problem. So pick up a bag of Lando's Lozenges. Lando's Lozenges will have your throat feeling smoother than a wet racetrack. Thank you very much for Lando's Lozenges. Uh, Obviously, I think, yeah, that was used quite a bit this weekend. So, uh, yeah, get them while uh, supplies last. Moving right along, let's really dive into the race recap. So, starting off with qualifying, obviously, you know, talking about the rain, the weather, FP3 was canceled due to the rain. But it really was one of the most surprising quality lineups that we saw. Lando was on pole, George was third, Lewis fourth, Valtteri seventh, Perez ninth, Leclerc 15th, and Max didn't even show up on the board. So that was kind of like a sum up of some of the more surprising things that you saw. But yeah, a lot going on for a crazy qual lineup that really led into a crazy race day Sunday. Wonderful. Let's get into the top five teams as we see them starting from the back of the top five with Alpine. So Fernando ended up having a great race, ended up sixth. Did you see when he basically cut the whole track? It seemed pretty like premeditated, mm-hmm. like going through those like runoff uh, runoff chicanes. It really helped him out. I think he gained like three or four positions. So yeah, that's a good kind of use of the rules. If he is, uh, I wouldn't say cheating, but kind of like you know getting around the rules and whatnot. Um, but yeah, finishing sixth, Alcon did not have as much luck, really struggled throughout, never showed up uh, enough paint, enough pace to be in the points, ended up 14th. So yeah, overall good enough for, for Alpine, staying in that fifth place spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that, yeah, anytime that they can get kind of a, you know, top seven type of finish, uh, I think they'll take it. They wish that they could both be in the points, but that's, you know, while you're at a distant fifth. 
Moving on to Ferrari, we have Carlos Sainz. I thought was spectacular during quals. I thought he did very well during the race. He finished on the podium, and I think, honestly, this might have been his best race weekend with Ferrari. Even to start off the race, he was leading after the first lap, uh, ended uh, for a few laps before Lando got back, and uh, about 12 laps later. So, yeah, I think the entire weekend, qualifying the race in general, Sainz was awesome. Charles starting at the back of the grid due to a new gearbox. He made it up with some points towards the end of the race. Uh, you know, he was in that kind of eighth spot, but really got unlucky timing with uh, the tires and the rain coming in. So actually pushed him back down to 15th. This was one one lap. I think it was lap 52 right before the, the race ended. So that was really, really tough for him to lose those points after, you know, making up those times throughout the entire race with uh, really sucks to lose those points. Uh, and then go from P4 to, to P13. So, yeah, I think that was just an unfortunate timing for Charles overall. I think, you know, from lap 1 to 52, he did pretty well. Uh, and, yeah, so, yeah, you know, getting some points for Ferrari, getting, you know, a P3 is great. But, yeah, I think kind of losing that distance to third for McLaren. Uh, speaking of McLaren, heartbreak, obviously, for Lando. This kind of seems like it was the main talking point. Lando was just incredible all weekend, like getting his first pole position in F1, um, you know, looking like he was going to win the race and probably would have won the race had the rain not come. His team kind of told him that the rain wasn't going to get any worse. And so I think that kind of affected his opinion on what was, you know, what was the right strategy there. Uh, but Danny finishing fourth, showing consistency on the other side. So, you know, even with a pretty shit pit stop for, for him about halfway through the race, I think it was, you know, upward of like eight, nine seconds. Um, and yeah, like obviously Lando, and Danny showing two different, uh, not too, too far away from each other in finishing positions, but Danny getting the best of Lando in terms of points this weekend. Um, other just talking points, Lando having an awesome battle with Carlos, as you mentioned, for a big part of this race. Good to see Carlando battling on the track since they're good buddies off track. Um, and yeah, there was, I mean, just talking about, you know, obviously Lando's lozenges was our sponsor. Um, another tip to them, he was, uh, he told his, uh, race team to shut up over the radio, which was seemingly a little bit childish, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously with emotions heightened there, it makes sense. Um, just dude was absolutely on ice skates for the last three laps and then obviously slipping off the track in the crucial moment when Hamilton overtook him. I was actually counting. Um, and in one minute, Lando, and I was actually counting, and the gap from Hamilton to Norris um, in one minute went from, I think, 28 seconds to, obviously, when he passed him. So, just made up so much time with those inters. So, yeah, Lando just absolutely on ice skates. Um, he slipped off the track, I think, uh, when, when Hamilton passed him. That was kind of like the big climax for his race. But, you know, obviously some some bad feelings, I think, leaving Russia, but still the trajectory that they're on. I mean, if you would have looked at McLaren a couple of years ago, you probably would have never guessed that they were both on pole and about to win the race. Right, absolutely. And kind of moving on from them to the battle for first and second, we have Red Bull. So Sergio really struggled passing cars whose performance just was a lot worse than his. Uh, he actually, by the end of the race, made his way up to fourth with about six laps to go. Then, as other people did, lost uh, some places due to the tire change from the rain. Uh, he got a little screwed over by a nine-second pit stop due to a slow rear right tire. Max, I think, was one of the few people that really lucked out due to the rain. He put on the yeah. intermediates 
pretty much at like the perfect time, which was really the main reason he ended up second. As we are saying, you know, we, we saw the graphic from six laps to go to uh, the final lap, and he wasn't even in the top ten. So a lot had to happen within those last uh, couple laps. So yeah, you know, you got to kind of chalk a lot of this stuff up to luck, or on the vice versa, to just unfortunate timing. It was kind of impressive, though, his first few laps. He got by Bottas within six laps, which I think Mercedes was, like, really expecting that to last a lot longer. Obviously, you have two cars, similar performance, uh, been going head-to-head, that you would expect him to be able to hold him off a little bit more. Uh, obviously, that did not work, and he just kind of flew right by him. So, uh, yeah, I think that was probably a, a big annoyance for Mercedes. There was actually a moment where Max came on the radio and told his team, quote, I can't turn the car, which seemed concerning, but seemed like he uh, did pretty well and did not have that. It seemed almost like a, a Lewis, you know, my tires are screwed after five laps kind of thing. Because, <laughs> I mean, clearly he was able to turn his car and uh, ended up with a second place finish. Yeah, definitely. That's funny. He's like his own version of like, I can't turn the car, trying to send signals to Mercedes to get them whacked out. But uh, speaking of Mercedes... Lewis seemed destined for the second spot, obviously, until Norris spun out, but he did end up getting his Centurion win on um, 100 race wins for Lewis Hamilton between McLaren and Mercedes. Dude is just absolutely incredible. Like, the fact that that is a stat is just so flabbergasting. Um, obviously, on the flip side, we've talked about it a bit, but Valtteri was kind of hanging around 14th all race. Um, you know, obviously providing no help on boxing out Max. Max just got by him within about six different laps, uh, but then really came out of nowhere to finish the final laps in fifth. I think that Mercedes on inters is pretty solid just given the ground that Lewis and Valtteri made up. So yeah, you know, gained 11 positions from his start, but at the same time was a little overshadowed by Max gaining 18 positions total. So um, yeah, Mercedes has a big task on their hands regarding Lewis and a potential new gearbox down the road. Obviously, Max had a great finish, finishing second when he got it, but um, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge, I think, for Mercedes. But then again, we've seen Lewis do some pretty incredible things from the back of the grid. So, uh, yeah, other talking points with Mercedes. Biggest margin of victory since Silverstone 2008, which is crazy. Um, I think, like, you know, being 13 years since you've gotten over a minute, uh, you know, a minute in gap between first and second place. Something to really be noted. I think Lewis just got the best possible result out of this race that he could. We probably could have predicted this uh, result, having Lewis P1, Toto coming on the radio and saying, hey, Lewis, you can win this race, really had to kind of send shivers down uh, all team spines, really, that were listening in. But, yeah, you know, coming in for inters at the perfect time, just straight up said no at lap 48 when they wanted him to pit for inters. Um, but, you know, finally did. They were like, hey, Lewis, definitely come in. Like, there's more rain on the way. And he closed a 30-second gap, uh, you know, within within just a couple, I think within a, about a minute. So super impressive showing from him. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Lewis is beating Max by two points within the championship. 15 races in, uh, having the lead between P1 and P2 be two points is just so ridiculous. It really makes you think, like, okay, all of the times that Mercedes and or Red Bull were, like, Pitting just to get that fastest lap, like really obviously seems worth it right now because you know it's just seemingly gonna come down to just a couple points. So great for us, probably super anxiety inducing for the two championship leaders. Yeah, and I kind of going back on the whole weather with it happened to both Lewis and Lando just 
ignoring the race engineers about, hey, I think we should come into to intermediates. Obviously, they finally got to, to Lewis and was able to switch. Lando, not so, so much the case. I saw the video of Sebastian Vettel, though, where he's just driving initially, says no intermediates, and then he just kind of waves his hand in the air for about 10 seconds and was like, you know what, I think it's time for intermediates. So I thought <laughs> that was so cool to see him just kind of feel it with gloves on his hand, just to have an idea of being like, hey, this rain's starting to pick up. I know that I need to come in for intermediates when uh, clearly not all drivers kind of have that sixth sense. So uh, another cool thing from uh, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, dude, just the ability. I bet it's probably like he's obviously got gloves on, but I bet those raindrops, if they're coming down, probably sting a bit. Um, you know, if you're going 300 kilometers an hour, but yeah, I mean, Seb getting it right. There was, it was just a very clear, like strategy was the most important thing here. Perfect. With that, we don't have too much to report as far as recent headlines since the last time we recorded, but let's just go ahead. Obviously kind of the big talking point, Lewis's hundredth win. Let's put this in perspective. So Michael Schumacher had 91 wins, which was 40 more than the previous record in 2006. Third is Vettel with 53, uh, Prost having 51 wins. Basically, he has a 36% chance of winning um, in you know every time he comes up in the 281 entries. Obviously, that's with the previous years where he wasn't super, super dominant. But yeah, that's compared to Michael, who was at 30% with 308 entries. So um, something that's kind of good to compare. Max is at 17 wins with 134 races. Hamilton was only at nine at his age, but um, I was listening to a, to a Twitter Spaces little reunion of people who were talking Formula One today. Their hypothesis was that, like, look, okay, what would Max have to do to get to where Lewis is in terms of, like, 100 race wins? And I think he was, like, they have to win 10 races for the next, like, eight years. Um, and with these new, like, with these new regulations, like, it's just not seeming like that's going to happen. So I think uh, would you, you know, if you had to bet on it, put your life the house on the line uh would you say that this would ever be broken for lewis or do you think that the regulations are going to make it too much uh too much parity for this to happen again i think that over the course of our lifetime there's got to be kind of like there's always something moving in the f1 sport and so you know if something does get affected that a team really shows a you know an easy benefit to uh to capitalize that I, I, I do think I, you could see that. And we're seeing rate drivers coming in younger and younger every single year. So, like, it, you know, Lewis didn't have that opportunity that Max did at that age and, and coming into a strong team. And, and these top dogs really having, like, more openness to Ferrari, for instance. Like, Leclerc was the youngest guy that they've ever brought in um, on the seat. So I think, yeah, like, they're more inclined to bringing in these young guys, giving them, you know, additional races additional years to you know make up some some lost ground so I, I do think it will be I think it's going to be extremely extremely difficult and you're going to have kind of a you're going to have to find the you know LeBron to an MJ you know where it's just it's not any day someone can walk in even if it's on a great team to to be able to pull that off yeah totally and then last kind of headline that I saw I just saw this I have no idea how accurate this is but thought we'd talk about it just in case it was true um, Christian Horner, I guess, reportedly might have spilled the beans about a 21st of November race in Cotter. So um, I think this would uh, replace the Australian GP that they already rescheduled. And here we are, uh, you know, World Cup is going to be in Cotter. The you know F1 is in Cotter. I just can't imagine how many human rights violations have happened in this new place that we're going to race in F1. Just sweep it under the rug, you know, and that's what they're good at. Whatever uh, whatever place will actually accept them and not boot them out <laughs> due to COVID, they'll, they'll take in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever works. 
I'm sure. I mean, I'm expecting probably a, a Lewis comp. Uh, you know, something said to, about Lewis and Lewis kind of standing up like he he usually does. But um, I think that's a little off the off the track drama that I'm excited to see as well. And moving on, so uh, moving on to our last sector race predictions recap. But before we get to that, this part of the podcast is brought to you by actually two sponsors. We got a, a duo sponsor here, nice. Haas and the Indianapolis Colts. Haas okay. and the Colts are paired up to talk about the harmful language people are saying about them. Just because they both haven't scored a single point in the win column does not mean that they're shitty and should be laughed at. That's why they have created the, quote, stop making fun of us, we're trying our best campaign. This campaign will help spread positivity to everyone, including winless organizations. So instead of being down and embarrassed for your team, say, hey, it's okay, they're trying their best. Shout out to Haas and the Indianapolis Colts for, even though they suck ass, you know, really trying to take a positive spin on it. Right, Ian? I hate you. Moving on to our race <laughs> predictions recap for this past Russian Grand Prix. Uh, man, we had a cracker. We've had races where we haven't scored a single point, either one of us. Uh, and here we are with a pretty solid showing. So let's get right into it. Um, who do we think will crash or DNF? I picked Charles. I went with Nikita Mazepin. No points nope. there. Uh, winner. I went with Lewis for number 100. I went with Valtteri, so point Marco. Last place, I went with McSchumacher. And I went with Nikita Mazepin doing it for the homeland, making the news in the papers for something uh, that he was the best at, and in this case, he was the best at being last. Yep. Uh, moving on to most overtakes, I went with Charles Leclerc. I went with Max, sure that I would win, but Marco coming in with the upset. Huge upset. Was shocked to see this, especially with Max <laughs> coming in from like 12th to 2nd, uh, I would have assumed. And I don't really know exactly how what they consider an overtake, but yeah, Charles uh, squeaked by with the most overtakes on Sunday. I, I, so I looked it up because I was like, okay, how is this possible? Because I don't really understand Max going from the back of the grid to second, Charles going from the back of the grid to 14th. But yeah, it's it's on track. Like it doesn't count if you're in the pits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like actual on track, like racecraft moves, which I guess Charles was better at than Max this week. So good on him. Huge. Yeah, huge for that. Driver of the day, I went with Lewis as well. A little bummed because uh, they kind of cut off the... The voting uh, with a couple laps to go, and I yeah. think if you see to the very end of the race, that might have changed a little bit, uh, but nonetheless, you went with? I went with Danny Ricardo, who despite having a great race, his teammate Lando got that, so no points for us there. Douche of the day brought to you by Summer's Eve. We have uh, Giovinazzi on my end. And I went with Max. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, do you have anybody who would have been kind of a douche here? I think uh, maybe Lance Stroll. I think Lance squeezed out uh, his teammate, and I think Sebastian Vettel and Lawrence Stroll have actually reportedly had some talks about like, hey, you know, this isn't the first time it's happened. Let's let's kind of all get on the same page here. But yeah, maybe Stroll, but no nobody that was like an outright super worthy contender for our Summer's Eve douche of the day. So we just get to keep another gift bag. Sweet. <laughs> get, put it to good use. <laughs> Uh, moving on, we have fastest pit stop minus Red Bull. I went with McLaren. I went with Ferrari. And uh, Mercedes was the answer to that one. And wrapping up our race predictions, we have our wild card prediction. I said Alfa Romeo gets in the points. So point Marco. That was actually good. I, I was pretty confident that that was not going to happen. Over doubled I mean, their points, yeah. 
Uh, I know. Kimmy getting into Was it P8 that he got? P7. P7. Nope, Go P8. Kimmy. I'm a liar. P8. Why do you always lie to me? That's just my thing. <laughs> I went with exactly two cars DNFing. Um, I thought that I lost this one up until the very, I think like four laps to go, Latifi spins out, hits the wall, tries to go in and, uh, and just like with a slow pit stop, their team, I I think he was in the pit stop. They were going to send him back out, but, uh, it was like 13 seconds into the pit and they were like, you know what? Let's, let's just not risk this. Let's just have you come into the garage and, and wrap it up. So both of us scoring there, Marco, three points for this Russian Grand Prix race predictions. Well done. I only got two myself which leaves us with a score of Ian 17, Marco 16. So just like the two championship contenders, we are keeping it close, keeping the people engaged, and we will let you know what happens with the rest of the season as far as race predictions go. That is it for our episode 32 of the Eaton Asphalt podcast. Um, any kind of last closing thoughts here? I know we got a week off before we go to Turkey, but thoughts about this weekend? Uh, no, not really. No, I thought that, uh, yeah, it was a very enjoyable. Uh, really didn't like that it was a 6 a.m. wake-up call in mountain time. Uh, <laughs> so I think that was the only thing that I was not a fan of. So hopefully we can get that time zone, figure it out a little bit more, and kind of get it closer <laughs> to us. But uh, other than that, yeah, awesome weekend. Yeah, especially with what we were anticipating this race coming into being. Um, I think we can definitely tip our hat to Sochi and the Russian Grand Prix as a whole. So we will be back next week um, with a nice driver spotlight, potentially a story. And I think that's everything I have. So we appreciate everybody listening. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. And as always, see assholes. See assholes.